Hi guys and welcome back to Tales from Mysteria Lane, the podcast where we give you a fair view of all things Desperate Housewives. I am Joel. I'm Billy Ray. And today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 21, Into the Woods. And why are you giggling already? We've not even started. (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm sorry. For goodness sake. Let's just, we'll move past it. Uh, So, uh, as you are well aware by now, I would hope, as we're about 60 episodes in or so, we alternate between who does what. So this week I will be doing the overview of the episode and B will be gracing us with his trivia. So do you have anything to start us off with? I do. So this episode was written by Alexandra Cunningham and directed by David Grossman and it aired on the 6th of May 2007. The episode had 17 million viewers on its first airing and the title Into the Woods is from the title of a Stephen Sondheim musical as well as a song featured in that musical Into the Woods. Yeah. The international titles are as follows. The Hebrew is Into the Woods. The Croatian is Lost in the Woods. The French is Press on Our Life. The French-Canadian is A Dangerous World. The German is Victims. The Hungarian is Brackets, Can't See, Close Brackets, The Forest Because of a Tree. (laughs) Which I think might be a play on the phrase, Can't Can't See the Forest forest. for the Trees. (laughs) Yeah, I liked that. The Italian is Into the Forest. (laughs) The, The Polish is Let's Go Into the Woods. And the Spanish, which I think is probably the best, is In the Woods, Forest. What? (laughs) I like the French-Canadian one. A Dangerous World. Yeah, (laughs) that's cool. I like the Polish one. Let's go into the woods. Let's go into the woods. Let's go into the woods to Grandma's house. Anyway, that's um, all I have for now. Oh, okay. So let's just get started then. He clearly just, you know, didn't pull his weight this week. Um. (laughs) I said for now. (laughs) So, previously on Desperate Housewives, Lynette and Rick are playing with fire and, with the help of Kayla, this has now been noticed by Tom. Edie used her son as sex bait to get Carlos. Victor and Gabby are now engaged, and Susan chose Ian over Mike, and then Ian chose London over Susan. Yes, and then Ian chose Mike for Susan. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much all you need to know to get the gist of this episode. So, we open the episode with Mary Alice as per usual, and she starts the episode warning us that being robbed can happen to any of you out there listening right now. It can happen to any of you. Yeah. Panic, panic. Yeah, right. Whether you're a little old lady walking down the street, leaving the office, or closing your shop, and in that moment, an ordinary person suddenly becomes a victim. Uh, We then cut to Scarvey's Pizzeria, where Lynette and Rick are having their nightly dinner, and Rick is teaching her the wonders of Italian food outside the realms of pizza. And Lynette is simply enjoying the moment, telling Rick that these dinners are what gets her through the day. And that's when two cliche rough characters enter, and Lynette finds herself once again held at gunpoint. Yeah. (laughs) Twice in this season. Twice in one season. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, America boy. Uh, Lynette and Rick are then thrown into the freezer and locked inside with no way of getting out. So Rick takes off his apron and wraps it around Lynette to try and keep her warm. Now you know how Gilbert felt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that took a moment for me to get. <laughs> um, so check Mary Alice out, reminding us of the dangers of literally being anywhere and doing anything. Right. She's like, if you're a person, you in danger, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Right, she's like, you could literally do anything and die. They're eating um, oriaketti, the pasta dish, which is meant to look like little ears. Little ears, yeah. That's what I ate when we went on date night last month. 
Was it? Yeah. I was actually going to do some trivia about this. Um, I looked up all of the different kinds of pastas, Mm. but there's so many that I didn't even bother. Because I saw a list which was the 35 most popular, and then I was like, that's just the most popular. (laughs) And they're all just variations of each other anyway. They've also both admitted that this is the nice part of their day. Yeah. Or the nicest part of their day. Yeah, Lynette's sitting there blatantly just telling him straight up that she's a terrible wife and mother because she looks forward to these. <laughs> yeah, this is dangerous ground. Like, this is the thing I look forward to the most, is having dinner with my co hunky co-worker. Yeah. Oh dear. I mean, I get it. It's a nice man. He cooks for her. He cooks good food. It's easy to fall for them and look forward to it. But just go home, girl. Yeah, go home to your family. It's like midnight. Or have an affair. Yeah. Or just, yeah, just straight up. Do one or the other. <laughs> don't just dangle Rick on a string and don't, like, dangle Tom on a string. Just pick, girl. Pick what you're committed to. We love a commitment, okay? So just either be the wife and mother and family woman or be the slut that has the affair. <laughs> we do like a commitment queen. We do like a commitment queen. So just be committed with your choice. We will stand by you, Lynette. We will respect your decision. I will say as well, in the freezer, Felicity does play anxiety quite well. Yeah. Like the panic. And towards the end of this episode, for the whole episode, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be thinking, let's give Felicity an award. Mm. Like, let's give her an acting award for this. Yeah. She's very good in this episode. It's, it's, this is an episode where Felicity Huffman does shine. She absolutely shines in this episode. I've actually said that quite a lot about Felicity in this season. Mm. I also think it's an interesting episode this uh, week because none of the women interact with each other at any point. Oh my god, that's true. I they, didn't even they notice all, that. They all just sort of have their own concrete storyline. Lynette's busy dealing with the affair and Tom, and none of the other women seem to know that she was once again held at gunpoint, and I don't think in the future it is ever mentioned again. Yeah, she <laughs> like, never brings up that she spent a night in the freezer. No, right? So we have the shortened title sequence, and then we cut to Tom, who it's just gone midnight, and he's asleep at the time that Lynette is being locked in the freezer wasn't until he woke up the next morning to find Lynette not home and that's when he realized that something was up I love how he just instantly went to the sofa yeah I mean check out Tom he's back in the bedroom now yeah yeah and he just goes straight to the sofa to be like oh what have I done to piss Lynette off now while she's sleeping on the sofa tonight (laughs) he's getting better he's slowly getting better he's in the bedroom he's in the bedroom and soon they can start doing things in that bedroom that also means that because the more Tom gets better the closer he'll be to getting back to work yeah which means that Lynette and Rick, their time is coming to an end. Yeah. We cut back to the restaurant and Lynette and Rick are spooning on the freezer floor to keep warm before they hear Tom enter and call for Lynette. She jumps up and bangs on the freezer and Tom gets them out and embraces Lynette, telling her he was so worried before realising that she was not alone and that's when he sees Rick. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen some, like, differentiation, okay? Did Lynette have to be the little spoon? (laughs) Could Rick not have been the little spoon? I would have loved to have seen that. Did she feel Rick's member all night his raging boner (laughs) is that a rolling pin in your pocket (laughs) Uh, so tom sees rick in the freezer with lynette at least lynette's story checks out because they are literally locked in that freezer tom has to like unwrap the chains or whatever from around the freezer handle so he knows full well that lynette and rick could not have done that themselves yes it would have to be a really like houdini magic trick to have done that yeah like come through darren brown so we cut to Gabby, and she is leaving the shop with Vern, who is shocked at the price of her dress. But Gabby wants to look good for Victor's election party tonight when he's voted mayor. They stop at her car and say their goodbyes before Gabby realises the ticket officer, parking officer, whatever his role is, 
It's standing and timing them. And he tells her to put some more money in the meter as it's just expired. But she says there's no need. But apparently spoiled rich girls really bother this man. And he likes to use his power where he can. And he gives her a ticket anyway and calls her a spoiled bitch. Yeah, he got a bit of a power trip on that. He got a real power trip. Spoiled bitch. Excuse me, sir. Like, I know she was behaving like a bit of a spoiled bitch, but there's no need to say it, especially when you're on the job. When you're on the job, mm, I understand you deal with shit people. It's a shit job. But she wasn't being shitty. No. She was being fine. She was just having fun with her friend. Yeah, she was having fun with her friend, but she was being cheeky. But at the same time, he was also on a massive power trip. And it could have... It was perfectly acceptable, sir, to have given her those extra few minutes. Yeah, exactly. This is actually a bit of a subversion of the usual Gabby storyline as well, because normally Gabby does something wrong or she goes out of her way to harass someone that's just doing their jobs or on the sidelines. Yeah. So normally Gabby's in the wrong, but she like needs to get back at someone that's wronged her. Yeah. <laughs> Even though she was in the wrong. But this time, the guy actually kind of has it coming, whatever Gabby's going to do. Yeah, no, he does. I do agree with that. Just because there's no, there's no excuse to talk to a person like that. Yeah, because like, it wasn't a start. case of, oh, I'm just doing my job. It's a case of, here's a ticket, spoiled bitch. Yeah. And like he proper attacked her character. Yeah, well... It's an easy character to attack, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, um, but you know that the minute someone calls her anything or gives her a parking ticket, she's yeah. going to come for them. Love that we get some more Vern, though. Yeah, I loved their conversation. Yeah. And he's totally fine with you being a high-maintenance nightmare. Oh, that's the best part. He lets me be me. <laughs> <laughs> I go on one gay cruise and find you engaged to some rich politician. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't see more of her friendship with Edie anymore, then at least we have Vern. At least we do have Vern. I'm happy with that. So Carlos is outside grabbing his paper and is stopped by Susan, who wants the true tea on what's happened with Mike. His reaction to her running up the street at him was so funny. It was such a mood. It was such a mood. Oh, God, it's Susan. Yeah, she's like, Carlos, Carlos running up the street. And he's like, oh, I just want to grab my paper. There was that split second debate in his mind on whether he can run back indoors without noticing Susan. Yeah. And be like, oh, sorry, Susan, I didn't notice you. This is a slight theme in the season as well, because it happened with Edie. It does happen with Edie. Edie, People, you right there, Edie Brett. And then she's like, oh, God, jogging off. People just don't want to talk to Susan when she stops them in the street this season, apparently. No, because (laughs) high-maintenance lady right there. She is a high-maintenance lady. A high-maintenance neighbour. So Carlos tells her that Mike is on a trip and then he's heading back east. And Susan wants to know where Mike is, but Carlos pulls out the bros before hose line. And Susan (laughs) tells Carlos that it's not like she can hunt him down as she has responsibilities, which convinces him to tell her. And then we cut to Susan leaving and just hunting him down. (laughs) (laughs) In green and pink again. Oh, God, green and pink again. It's horrible. As romantic as... Julie feels this really is, she doesn't think it will be that easy to get Mike back and heal his broken heart. But Susan has to at least try and she leaves in her little green parka with her little pink backpack. Yeah, I do like that she uses her role as a mother to trick Carlos yeah, into know. telling her where Mike is. I'm a mother, I've got responsibilities, I can't just up and leave. And then she ups and leaves. And then she completely just ups and leaves. I mean, at the same time, Carlos is a bit of an idiot for falling for that mother line because Julie is old enough for Susan to leave. Yes. It's kind of weird that she called out her own bullshit, though. Mm. She's like, oh, I'm a mother. It would be irresponsible if I just upped and left, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) I don't think it would have been irresponsible. If, if, you know, Julie was the same age as Lynette's boys or, you know, Travers, then yes. if she was Danielle. Yeah. Then yes, it would be, well, well, yeah. Um, It would be exceptionally irresponsible for her to up and leave. 
But Julie's old enough to be able to take care of her. If, in actual fact, it's probably safer for Julie Without, if Susan, with Susan not to be around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just safer for Julie if Susan's gone. So. Yeah. <laughs> we shouldn't forget the iconic line as well. You know what people say, bros before hoes? People say that. I, I don't. Susan's reaction to that. She was so insulted that she was referred to as a hoe. Yeah, right? Disgusting. <laughs> but someone needs to tell Susan that that outfit is not suitable for a hike. No, I know. It's not my segment, but I would put that up for straightest moment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not your segment. Back off. <laughs> Focus on your own bad parents section. Thank you. <laughs> you always interfere with my parents section. <laughs> no, I don't interfere. I give my opinion. When it's not wanted, but it's still given. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> so Carlos and Travis are playing a game and Edie comes to join them um, on their little play fighting and come across like a proper little family. That's when the doorbell rings and we meet Travis's dad, who's come back early, it would appear, from Kenya. Uh, he looks like he's here to take Travis home now that he's back, much to the disappointment of Carlos. And Carlos does offer to take care of him for a couple more days so the dad can chill. I think it's Charles. I think I wrote his name down later on in my notes, but I think his name is Charles. Okay, I've just been referring to him in my notes as Travers, as his dad. Yeah, um, but Charles would rather just take Travers and get him home. What's with Edie like? I'll help you get dressed. Like, why are you leaving the men alone? Oh, well... Oh. She wants the drama. She does want the drama. She doesn't want to talk to Charles. Like, what's she got to say to him? I Welcome just, back. How was Kenya? Like, I just <laughs> find it again. funny that she's leaving her ex-husband with the man that she's currently sleeping with. Well... In the room together. <laughs> she doesn't even care. Well, to be fair, Edie slept with a lot of men, so chances are Charles has been left alone with quite a few of them. Carlos is actually acting really weird here as well. Or at least it would probably seem that way to the dad. Well, yeah, I would agree. Like, if I'd I was be like, the dad, why are you being pushy? What's your problem? Yeah, like, I've just come to pick up my kid. He stays over here once in a blue moon. And then this guy's like, when's he coming back? Can he come back soon? When is he coming back? Yeah, that would ring alarm bells for me. I'm like, what's your problem? Why are you, what's your desire with my son? Yeah, who are you? So Lynette, Rick and Tom are with the police officer watching the footage of the robbery when Tom notices Lynette and Rick in the footage having a nice little romantic dinner. She tries to play it off by making an excuse of, you know, her and Rick sampling the next day's special, but it doesn't seem to convince Tom. And the police (laughs) officer warns Lynette to be more careful what with leaving the door unlocked. Yeah, fuck off of that officer. Yeah. Oh, the door was just left unlocked? You guys should be more careful. You need to be more careful. The two of you are just asking for trouble. Oh, yes, because not having a locked door is asking for trouble. Yeah, I know, right? When you're, if you're in the restaurant. Right? If, you're, if your door is unlocked, people, then as a victim, you sort of only have yourself to blame. Right? Like, <laughs> if just, you're attacked, you can only blame yourself. Yeah, like you shouldn't have left your door unlocked. What is that? Stupid officer. No one calls him out for it. No, I know, right? It's ridiculous. Excuse me, sir. This is a restaurant. Also, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. He's like, let me just remind that. Oops, overshot it a little. Yeah, I know. He's there stood next to this slut like, oh, oops. Oh, silly oh, me. Overshot it. I guess your husband's seen you having dinner with another man. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, bless poor old Tom. Lynette really did try. Right? Oh, Rick was just showing me this new um, pasta dish. What's it called? Oriaketti. Oriaketti. It's like... I know what it means. He didn't know what it means. Mm-hmm. He totally didn't know what it means. Yeah, he doesn't know what it means. Yeah, sure. Let's just pretend that Tom knows what all the different types of pasta are. Tom's like, oh, Lynette loves this man. He can cook. He's knowledgeable. I'm knowledgeable. I know what is. I can't even spell calzone. <laughs> right? Is there like, oh, yeah, I know what Oriacetti is. Love it. Love it. 
So we go to Gabby at the election party, which quickly becomes a victory party as Victor wins and is officially mayor. Woo! One day I should just read my notes with all the spelling mistakes. It'll be fun for you guys to decipher. Gabby jumps into Victor's arm. (laughs) (laughs) Gabby jumps into Victor's arms in happiness and he gives a speech thanking Gabby. He does leave a bit of a shady comment in that speech though. Like it's not unnoticed. Oh, you know, I'll thank my wife when the feeling comes back into my lower spine. Excuse me? (laughs) Yeah, trying to, like, just play off Gabby. (laughs) So the wife of Victor's campaign guy comes to congratulate Gabby, and they sort of get onto the whole parking ticket fiasco that she had earlier. But Elizabeth, that's the wife, tells Gabby she doesn't have to worry about trivial things like parking tickets now, because she's the first lady. She tells Gabby she rules this town, and she leaves, giving Gabby... A new sense of power. Elizabeth, what have you done? Uh, She has no idea what she has unleashed onto this town. She did not know who she was talking to. No. Or maybe she did. Maybe she's... Elizabeth's just here like, I'm here to fuck shit up. (laughs) She's either thinking, I'll bring down Victor by doing this, or she's thinking, I'll bring down this whole town. Yes, like (laughs) I told Gabby, purposefully. And I had fun doing it. (laughs) You rule this town now. Don't say that to Gabby. Yeah, I know. Gabby doesn't rule this town. She's only first lady. It's gone straight to her head as well. It really has. It really has. (laughs) In this one scene, in this one second, you can just see all of the cogs turning in that tiny head of hers. Gabby's there. Her image in her mind of her sitting on a throne. She's very Daenerys. Just burnt down Fairview with her dragons. (laughs) Walking over that meter maid. Yeah. Ely pops over to see Carlos whilst Travers and his dad are packing and he tries to arrange a weekend away with Carlos but he claims he's now too busy with work what with all the time he's been spending with her and Travers and now Travers is going he needs to start buckling down Edie asks what it means for the two of them now and Carlos tells Edie that they'll see each other and they arrange for them to do something in two weeks time yeah I'll, I'll do something for your birthday it's in two weeks exactly oof Two weeks isn't that long, girl. It is a bit long to not see someone that you're seeing. I, I wouldn't say so. Not all the time. I'm when sure you live we on the same road. When you live <laughs> on the same road, yes, it's different. But, you know, I'm sure when we first started dating, there was, you know, weeks here and there where we wouldn't be able to see each other. We didn't live on the same road. No, I know. But I'm just <laughs> saying we didn't two weeks spend isn't like, that long. And we didn't spend a month seeing each other consistently. He's the king of ghosting. He is. He's like, oh, I'm really busy now, so I was... He hasn't, Travis hasn't even left yet, and you're already just pushing Edie to the side. Well, wouldn't you? Don't no. Edie. <laughs> <laughs> Susan is at the Rangers Lodge and requests a map so she can hike to the hot springs. She brings out her gear, but the ranger can't let her go up there, so ill-prepared for a two-day hike. This doesn't sit well with Susan, who goes on a big old rant about true love and how he will not stand in the way of that. And once she's done, he finishes his thought, and he can't let Susan go up there alone and he gives her a guide and we are introduced to tony who is just amazing yeah best character of the episode yeah from from the get-go from her instant walk-in tony is fantastic yeah tony is played by rusty schwimmer Mm -hmm. and guess what two shows tony has been in friends just to (laughs) clarify two of them are not friends or murder she wrote but can you guess what other two she may have been in so i'm gonna guess csi right and uh, some like Grey's Anatomy. Exactly those two shows. <laughs> oh my god. Are those the, other, are the only other shows she's been in? Is she related to David? I don't know. I didn't really get that much trivia on Tony, unfortunately. But sh- she's been in CSI and Grey's Anatomy because of course she has. <laughs> those are the only other two. 
those are like the two most out of our common shows that she's been in. Oh, okay. I thought you meant that she. Those were the only things she's been in. Oh no, just the um the standout, the things. big ones. Yeah. Okay. I love how Susan says the whole class has these little pink bags, as if it, as if that's relevant. Yeah, like it's her class. That's not gear, ma'am. Why not? For a starters, it's too small and it's pink. It's like, well, Ex- the whole class has them. Excuse me, sir, but just because it's pink doesn't mean it's not gear. But also, Susan, is the whole class going hiking? No, it's not relevant. No, but I don't think Susan quite realised it was a two-day hike. But this <laughs> is why you do your research before you just run off. Well, according to Backpacker.com, fitness coach Jordan Smotherman recommends building a good strength base early in the season for if you're going to go on a hike. There's a basic nine-week early season training program for hikers, so Susan is fucked. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Did you do the nine-week early season training program, Susan? I don't think so. Nine weeks. God, it's easier to learn how to drive in America than it is to hike. Well, hiking's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I know, but hiking essentially is just walking. Like, we all walk. (laughs) Hiking is more like playing Death Stranding, but in real life. Mm, Yeah. With all the terrain. Yeah. So Tom takes Rick out to dinner to get to know him better and asks him straight up if he's sleeping with Lynette. (laughs) Rick says no and gives Tom the recipe line from the other night, but Tom claims he isn't an idiot and can see why Rick is better than the life that Lynette currently has right now. Tom is... (laughs) I love when Tom's like, you're young, you're good looking, you're sensitive. And I'm like, maybe Tom's in love with Rick. Right, Rick's like, oh, yeah, I am one of those things. But no. Tom's all like... <laughs> it's him. Oh, he's so sexy. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Rick tells Tom he has nothing to worry about. And Tom agrees, telling Rick that he's going to quit. Rick refuses to quit and will only go when he is fired. But Tom will not be the one to do it, knowing full well Lynette would never forgive him. And therefore, Rick tells Tom that he will go as soon as Lynette wants him gone. But that she clearly doesn't want him gone. We then get to see a side of Tom that we don't really get to see very much, actually. Which is this, like, loyal, loving husband. And he tells Rick that he may catch Lynette in a weak moment, but that is all. And he will always stand by her. Yeah, and check Rick out playing his cards. Yeah. You want me gone? Fire me. Yeah, he's there like, Lynette will have to fire me. But she clearly won't. And you're not going to, are no. you? <laughs> yeah. Tom is 100% right here, though. Lynette won't leave her family. Yeah. No, it's true. It's mm. true. To be fair, I wasn't really attracted to Rick until this moment right now. When he's like, <laughs> try me. Because he's like, going for Tom. He's just like, coming for Tom. And I'm just like, oh, yes, come for Tom. Come for him. <laughs> yeah. As much as Tom is a massive douche, their marriage has strong foundations. It does have strong foundations. They do, they forgive each other an awful lot of things. Yeah, because they work through their issues. Yeah. Sorry, Rick. Susan is walking children in nature and giving her guide all (laughs) of the information that I'm sure Tony never really asked for on the whole Mike, Ian, Susan drama. And she ends up asking Tony what she would have done in this situation and is very surprised when Rusty says she would, I love how I wrote Rusty and Tony as the character's name. (laughs) <laughs> when she's very surprised when Tony says that she would have done what everyone else in the world would have done, which is wait for Mike. Right? Like right? that's literally what everybody else in the world would have done. And Susan's like, oh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you weren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> this is clearly not the answer Susan was hoping for. And she snaps back at Tony in defense, but the bugs are on Tony's side in this episode as one flies in Susan's mouth to shut her up. Oh, swallowed a bug. 
Oh, like Susan's like, thank the Lord. You mean Tony? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, Tony. You know, the bugs can't get in if you keep your mouth shut. Tony's Lord of the Flies right now. She's here. Right? What a <laughs> sassy queen. Damn. So Edie gets Travis' attention with a new puppy, telling him that the dog is his and getting him to name him as well, like doing all of that. But Travis can't have him because his dad is allergic. Something which Cleedy was... Cleedy? Who the fuck is Cleedy? Oh, I thought you were trying to say clearly. Yeah, I was, I think. Oh. <laughs> um, this is something that Edie was clearly <laughs> aware of. And so she tells Travis that she will just have to return the dog. This does not go down well with the young child, obviously. And when Edie says that she'll have to return him because he doesn't come here often, Travis says exactly what Edie wants, which is that he'll visit more and tell his dad he wants his mum to now have joint custody. That is the cutest dog I've ever seen. It was so cute. It was a really cute dog, and I'm sorry, I say this an awful lot, it feels like, but I think this is possibly the worst thing Edie has ever done. Oh, let me guess. Oh, she's using her child to get this, blah, blah, blah. It's not even the using of the child anymore. It's the fact that you have deliberately brought an animal into this child's life for you to straight up in five minutes, knowing full well you'd have to do this, say, I'm just going to have to return him, sorry. Yeah, but he gets a dog out of it. It's cr- But he doesn't. <laughs> because Edie's going to return the dog. Well, that depends on what happens in the next half an hour. So it's, it is the cruelest thing a parent can do is give a child a pet and then have to return it straight away. It's quite cruel doing that to the audience. Yeah. We're never going to see this dog again. No, I know, right? I mean, what if we got Bongo for a little while and then he fucked off? It's kind of weird to think that this dog is now really old or really dead. Why? Well, because when it came out, it was tiny. Why would you have said that? What do you mean? Why would you have said that? Why Our audiences don't want to hear that. <laughs> don't want to be depressed. No, I'm just saying. But this show does seem to have a common problem with dogs. Right, we never get to see them much. Bongo's now disappeared. Parker got a, a puppy in like season one. We've never seen that two, dog ever and again. we've never seen that dog ever again. Lynette bought him a puppy because he couldn't stop talking about Mrs. McCluskey's vagina. She probably gave it away because he kept trying to look at its bits. Oh, should have got a male dog then. Yeah. He wasn't so <laughs> interested in penis. <laughs> yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Susan and Tony have settled down for the night, expecting to be at the hot springs by noon tomorrow if they wake up early enough. Susan gets out her face mask and Tony stops her, warning her not to spread her honey face mask over her face with bears around. What are you doing? <laughs> Put on a, a face mask. I want to look good for when I see Mike. It's something in honey. Lavender and honey. La- lavender, as I was saying. You're putting bear food on your face in the middle of the woods. <laughs> uh, begrudgingly, Tony asks Susan what she expects to actually happen when she gets to Mike and he forgives her and the novelty wears off. And Susan believes that they'll finally just be happy. One sassy eye roll later and Tony tells Susan what her problem is and we have a clip. You don't want to be happy. You're a drama junkie. When there is no drama, you create it. You sleep with your ex-husband, you cheat on a coma victim, and now you're hiking up a mountain after a guy who has no idea you're coming. Who knows? Maybe this guy will take you back. But once the dust settles, you kick up some more because you don't know how to just be happy. You don't even know me. How dare you talk to me like that? Ooh, so dramatic. How dare you? I mean, she's saying what we're all thinking. She is. Sometimes you do just need an objective third-party character to come in and knock one of the main characters down a peg. I love it. She's all like, look, 
what do you expect is going to happen here? <laughs> I expect Mike to welcome me back with open arms and say, let's forget the British lad. Right? I pushed you away for him twice. Have me back. <laughs> Yeah, so that was a fun scene. Love Tony. This is why we love Tony, guys. Mm. She's knocking Susan down a peg. Now, if she could just move on to the lane permanently and start knocking down some of the other characters down a peg as well. A pissed off Susan then waits for Tony to go to bed and then storms off to find Mike on her own in the middle of the night. Yeah, she's like, what a bitch. Right? What a bitch. She leaves a little note in her tent that was just like, I don't need you. I'm a strong, independent woman. I can hike. I've seen the descent. I know what it's like. Let me go. Leave me alone. She even bought love heart shaped pink post-it notes. Right. Why they were there, I'll never know. Maybe they just come with the backpack. Like all of the class have pink love heart post-its. Or maybe she thought, I'll put the pink post-it notes on the trees as I go so I can find my way back. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Fuck's sake, Susan. Maybe she was planning on getting there while Mike was asleep, and then she was going to cover him all in the post-it notes while he was asleep. So when he wakes up, he's just covered in Susan's love. <laughs> uh, so we cut back to Gabby, and she's with Vern in her car, and new first lady of Fairview, and like just looking over her town, and she's like, ah, the town really could do with some changes. Yeah, not only did she just call herself the first lady of Fairview, like those words came out of her mouth, she called yeah. herself that. She's there like... I'm Flotus. But then she even says, my city. She's like, oh, my city. Like she's Wilson Fisk in Daredevil or something. <laughs> Excuse that car horn. <laughs> that was Gabby's car horn because she's just seen the ticket guy that harassed her earlier. So she's trying to get his attention. <laughs> she parks where she shouldn't by a fire hydrant, apparently. Did you do any trivia on that? No, I didn't know. No, just thought you might have done trivia on that. No, I just would have thought it was obvious. Don't park in front of a fire hydrant. <laughs> well, well, we don't have fire hydrants in this country. Yeah, but if we did, I wouldn't park in front of one. Well, no, I know, but it was only <laughs> a suggestion. All right. Um, and when the guy gives her a ticket, she rips it up in front of him and throws it in the air before telling him who she's engaged to. And she makes it her first official act of business as mayoress of Fairview to declare today free parking day. Yeah, she's like, oh, Vern, watch this. Rip, rip, rip. This is going to blow your mind. And then she, like, throws it on the floor as well, like, fucking littering. What a bitch. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. And she runs around pulling all the tickets off of the cars, yelling, free parking, before Jeffrey, that's the ticket guy's name, grabs Gabby and hurts her, and she kicks him in the shin, calls him fat boy, and is quickly arrested. So, another assault from Gabby, and yeah. another arrest for Gabby. Yeah. All in one, like, this happens. You know that so- noise is, fat boy? That's your career circling the bowl. <laughs> this happens a lot with Gabby. She harasses people, and she gets arrested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's happened two or three times in this one season. Alone. Yeah, has. But, um... Yeah, power's definitely gone to Gabby's head now. Yeah, Gabby's one of those characters who wants power so bad, but she never quite, you know, getting any power. Yeah. But she thinks that she has a lot of power, and then she'll act like a crazy person. But Jeffrey assaulting her. Yeah, that wasn't cool. That was not cool at all. Back, not cool, Jeffrey. Back off. Not cool. Susan is trying to find her way to the hot springs, relying on mossy trees to guide her north. But when that fails her, she kicks it injures herself and falls over. Susan is so delusional if she thinks that she's going to do this hike on her own. Yeah. She didn't even know that she was putting bear food on her face. She's there like, moss grows on the north side of trees. But how does that help you? That would guide you north, but if you don't know where the hot springs are. Right. But then she's like, the moss is growing all around the tree. So where did she hear this rubbish? I know. I heard that as well, to be fair. But I'm not sure if that's like a media thing. Like it's a false fake news. It's fake news. 
Yeah, because I swear you hear these things all the time, these, like, yeah. helpful things, and then you're like, but it's all around the tree. Yeah. Maybe the most growth is on the north. It starts to grow on the north, so the fuzziest bit is north. Maybe. 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 It's like mould. You know, like, it starts to grow in one section, and then it spreads around. Yes. So, Travers runs outside to ask his dad about joint custody, but Charles easily sees that there's clearly some manipulation from Edie here. And so she tells Charles that she brought the puppy for herself and she's now changed her mind about the current custody agreement that was apparently unofficial. Outside, Travis is occupying himself with the puppy when Carlos comes over and invites him to his place to watch TV. Charles storms out, threatening legal action, but Edie is happy to go for full custody if he keeps this up and she goes back inside. He has a bitch to Carlos about Edie's change of mind, but Carlos seems to realise why Edie has suddenly developed an interest in her son. I love that they've brought up the fact that the um, the parental agreement wasn't even official. That just adds another layer of yeah. hilarity to Edie's character. Like They couldn't even be bothered to do it properly. She's like, yeah. no, I'm happy with whatever. Edie's just like, yeah, I really don't want to have to see him, so I'll see him for a minimal. Right, I'll see him as little as possible. Two weeks a year is the current, is the current custody agreement. Edie sees her son two weeks of a year. Yeah. I bought myself a puppy. How was I supposed to know it gets so attached? Oh, I swear <laughs> to God, Edie is so draining. She's hilarious. What are you talking She's about? So draining. This is utter. I mean, it's funny. It's don't get me wrong. It is hilarious, but it's utter bullshit, Mama. Utter bullshit. She knows what she wants, and she'll do whatever she can to get it. And yeah. I think that's inspiring. Bullshit, Edie. Bullshit. Also, she looks great in the white suit. Yeah, she and does. In the animal she, print top. Yeah, she does look good in the suit. So Lynette and Rick are closing up. And Lynette wants to know why he's so quiet tonight. Rick tells her that he had lunch with Tom today and was asked if they'd slept together. And an embarrassed Lynette apologises on his behalf and sort of his misinterpretation of the security recording that they watched. But Rick isn't too sure that it was misinterpreted. And he tries to get her to admit that she has feelings for him. But Lynette begs him to stop talking. And we've got a bit of a, a little bit of a clip of this scene. Great, great. Now, now what? You're mad at me? Yeah, I'm mad. I am mad because I loved our nights together. It made me feel sexy and happy and God, how I needed that. And now it's over. You ruined it. You can't work here anymore. You're going to fire me? Oh, jeez. What choice do I have? Lynette, Lynette, please. Don't touch me! You have to go now. Please go. You have to go now. Go on. <clears throat> so yeah, right before that clip, Lynette gets sort of pissy and starts breaking things, and then they have that discussion, and then she fires him. I mean, damn, Rick, just straight up with what Tom said earlier, huh? Yeah, he just like brings that up. He's <laughs> like, but there is something. Tom wasn't really r- lying. Hi, Lynette. <laughs> Tom thinks we're cheating, <laughs> so we might as well start. <laughs> oh, it's um, it's quite a sad scene. Can we give Felicity a medal already? It, an award? It's a really good scene, but this. Still isn't the saddest scene. No, it's not. I mean, it's sad, but it's not sad because she can't get with Rick. It's sad because she's stopping any relationship before it can form with Rick to protect the marriage, which is sad because then she's she's realising that the marriage is going downhill. Yeah. That's what's making it sad. Yeah, but yeah, I, there's a sadder scene for me well, still yeah, to come. There is a sadder scene. But... I'm just saying this is the start of it. Mm. And Felicity is great. She is fantastic in the scene. It is a really well done scene. Like, from even from the start, when Lynette's sort of awkwardly apologising for Tom, 
Yeah, I and know. she's like, oh, that's awkward. I'm sorry. I just feel so bad for Lynette because mm. she's having a proper crisis moment here. Yeah. She's so frustrated with the marriage. The bubbles burst. She's trying so hard, but I'm glad that they didn't go with the affair route. Yeah, me too. And I do think that Lynette, like the writers explained it very well with, with Lynette's scene. They, they explained it um, with the writing really well. On, you know, how there's a line that you don't cross. And, you know, she enjoyed getting close to the line, but she's never crossed it. And yeah, now, it now it's... it made me feel sexy. Yeah. But writers, can we stop trying to give Lynette an affair? When did they try? They were going to write in with um, Carlos. Oh, Remember? yeah, they were, like, they were. We were thinking of letting Lynette and Carlos play out. And I'm like, let's just leave Lynette out of the affairs for once. Yeah. <laughs> That's Gabby's play- role right mm. there. Yeah, that is. Yeah, we've already had the affair. But affairs are so scandalous. Two, Two affairs. Scandalous. Uh, so Tony is back at the ranger station talking to another ranger about Susan wondering where she could be and whether or not she's okay. Mike enters the station to check himself back out of the park but conveniently only uses his last name so Tony doesn't know who he is. As he leaves he overhears the conversation about how this lost woman is a total klutz looking for some bloke from the hot springs and Mike returns back to the station asking what this woman's name is. Yeah, it was fun that they went for the comedy route for that bit because they could have just had Mike walk in and the Rangers be like, hey, are you Mike? Like, yeah. Are you Mike? Yeah. We need to check everyone that walks in here if they're Mike. But instead, they're just acting all like, oh, she's a total clout. She's a little bimbo. Like, <laughs> completely non-observant about someone walking in. And then he comes in here in the, oh, she's a, she's a klutz. And he's yeah. like, oh, a klutz? I know a klutz. She didn't bring food for herself. She brought food for the bears. <laughs> I mean, it is a very Susan thing, all these things. Yeah. So I can see why Mike had to take a moment. An injured Susan sits herself down against a tree and gives Mike a call, telling him of her stupid plan, and just in case she dies in a dramatic way, that she loves him. She doesn't want any more drama, and as she goes to apologise, her phone cuts out and leaves her sad and alone in the woods. She tucks herself under her map... <laughs> To that get was some sad. sleep. It's such a sad scene. When she's trying to use the map as a blanket, I was like, oh. But it's like a different form of sad. We've had the real sad with Lynette, and then we've got this kind of like pathetic, yeah. lonely Susan who's pathetic trying, sad. just trying to survive with her map and her honey face mask. Right, this is clumsy, Susan. Your entire <laughs> hike has been so clumsy. It's been a real mess. <laughs> she tried. She did try. Well, did she try? <laughs> she didn't pack anything. She was even like, can I just drive up there and walk half the way? Yeah, she was like, oh, can I just drive halfway and walk the rest? Nature doesn't work like that, ma'am. <laughs> there are trails, not roads. Susan's scene here was really nice, though, promising no more drama and that she loves Mike. And it was such a nice phone call. And Terry really delivered. She did really deliver. Again, fantastic acting uh, in this episode from Terry Hatch this time. She was brilliant. Miss Hatcher knows what she's doing. She does know what she's doing. She's an incredibly talented woman. There was a nice scene. It it was a a sweet moment for Susan to just sort of lay her cards down and be like, I don't want any more drama. And I promise you there won't be. We know that's a lie, but I promise you there won't be. Yeah, it's like that redemption moment where on the last episode, or possibly the episode before, (laughs) no, it was the last episode when she chose Ian. Mm. And then Ian was like, nah, Mike's for you really though, isn't he? But then, obviously, Mike's run off. And we thought, well, you don't really deserve Mike now, yet. Yeah. And this is, like, that redemption moment where she's like, I was such an idiot. What have I done? Yeah. 
and we all have moments like that in our life. Yeah, like I made the make wrong a, decision. Yeah, where you make a decision and then, you know, two weeks later you're like, shit, that was stupid. Yeah, and now I'm hiking with no gear and I've injured myself and I think I've gone for enough to prove that I'm sorry. Yeah, and I'm probably about to get eaten by a bear. And there is definitely going to be more drama though, Susan. Who are we kidding? Of course there's drama. You have five more seasons. Yeah. And she's like, there was no more drama, I promise. Oh God, imagine how boring it would have been if Susan and Mike just get together and live happily ever after with zero problems. Exactly. So Gabby is brought to Victor by Jerome, that's his campaign dude, I wrote his name down this time, uh, who confirms that there have been no charges, no press, and it's like the assault never happened. Victor is doing his best evil villain impression by standing at a roaring fire (laughs) and is asked to be left alone with his fiancée. Gabby sort of tries to apologise and explain, but Victor just tells her to shut up and he gives Gabby a big old speech about responsibility and how he cannot do his job while she is constantly humiliating him and behaving like a child. Gasp. Right? Gabby apologises and goes to leave, but Victor notices her injured wrist and she tells him that it was done by the ticket guy who grabbed her and twisted it. And the scene ends with Victor saying, he shouldn't have done that. Mm, this, is a gr- this is a great scene. Yeah. Like, the way it's shot, the location, it's perfect. The way he's just standing there, lit up by the flames, almost silhouetted, but not yeah. quite silhouetted. A complete 180 from what Gabby was telling Vern at the beginning. A complete 180 of what Victor's been like the whole season. Yeah. The fun, kind of jokey Victor. And yeah. now he's all like... Gang boss, mob leader, standing in front of the fire. Yeah, I'm mayor. Like, I've got certain responsibilities and blah, blah, blah. He was a right douchebag, though. He was a right douchebag. The way he's all like, oh, when you're in public, you have to act like a grown-up. And Mm. saying that she embarrasses him. And I thought, maybe, I know what what Gabby's like, but maybe let's just hear her out. Because she's, she's kind of in the, she's got a point here. She has a point here, but I do think, if I'm looking at it from Victor's perspective, yes. Mm. Like... What has she done? She broke into his house and stole all of his wife's clothes and got him punched in public by his ex-wife. She assaulted this ticket guy. She assaulted a random person who tried to blackmail them. She gave those photos to the mayor, the current mayor's brother. <laughs> she had sex with him or started to have sex with him in an elevator and then got caught doing it. So Gabby, yeah, she's not <laughs> been a great Gabby with Victor. Like we've seen a lot of embarrassing mistakes with Gabby. Yeah. Which obviously have hindered Victor's climb. Not stopped it, obviously, because he's won. But it's definitely hindered Victor's climb. So this is probably the final straw for Victor. There's still no excuse for the way he spoke to her. But I imagine that was probably, like, the final thing for Victor. He's like, I'm mayor now. This can't keep happening. He's seen the bruised wrist, though. So now he's like, oh. Yeah. Gabby's there, like, I've got all this power. But Victor's like, bitch, you've got the power. <laughs> right. He shouldn't have done that. But it's when he sees the bruised wrist that he's really mm. like, oh, this guy did go too far. Yeah. But like the minute that he becomes mayor, like the scene after he becomes mayor, mm-hmm. complete shift in character. Yeah. So Lynette comes home earlier than usual, which pleases Tom. And she tells him that they'll need to find a new chef because Rick gave his notice. Oh, Lynette looks so tired here. Yeah. She's just done. How long was she at that restaurant after Rick left? just like alone probably crying yeah cleaning up while crying getting the energy to just go back home and fall back into that you know role that she had before tom actually feels though he's ready to come back to work as long as he doesn't really do any lifting and just focuses on the cooking and lynette goes into the bathroom and switches on the tap and whilst tom is behind the bathroom door talking to lynette about how excited he is and how much he's missed his wife 
Lynette silently breaks down in tears. Yeah, hoping that the sound of the tap will cover up the sound of her crying. I do love the way Lynette says, I missed you too, but... (laughs) I missed you too! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is the real sad scene. This is the scene that I think Lynette should have got an award for. Damn it, Felicity, you did it again. (laughs) Like, stunning. It gives me such huge Love Actually vibes. You know when Emma Thompson goes upstairs and cries after Alan Rickman cheats on her with the office whore? Such a sad scene. Like, a real sad scene. But from the potential nearly cheater this time. Yeah, mm. like, it's just from the the opposite side. Uh, but very well done. It's just so horrible to see her breaking down in tears while Tom is happy and excited on the other side of the door. Mm. It's crazy how they've gotten to this point. There's also that little bit of dramatic irony where Tom doesn't know that Lynette fired Rick, and Lynette doesn't know that Tom told him to quit. Yeah. But so neither of them knows the truth sort of thing. Yeah. Yes, it's very good. And uh, they've got a lot of work to do on this marriage now. They do. But on a plus note, they have a pretty nice bathtub. They really do have a nice bathtub. I looked at the bathtub and I was like, damn, that's a good tub. <laughs> I'd love to have a bath in that. I love a good tub. Me too. That's a big important thing for our, prop- like our house. Which is weird because I don't, I don't like baths. I fucking love a bath. But I love Absolutely a tub. Love a bath. I just love a good tub. So we better have a good tub. It needs to be roomy. It's Maybe that's why tub. I don't like baths because I've never had a big tub. No probably never had a big enough tub you've always been like squashed in how can you relax like that well i always have my knees up yeah so how can you relax like that (laughs) you're just supposed to like lay under the water and wait to drown yeah true i want a big tub and i want bath bombs so i can in a big tub and watch them do their thing yeah so um, this was a very good scene pete like best scene of the episode in my opinion i mean yeah felicity delivered yeah felicity delivered got you to sign the package and then she left you in tears (laughs) yeah (laughs) So Carlos enters Edie's place to speak to her about joint custody and how tough it will be on Travers. Edie thinks it's important for Travers to have his mother in his life and is disappointed that Carlos isn't more excited. He tells Edie he knows that she misses Travers and that she is scared about being alone, but she doesn't have to worry as he's going to be there for her. She agrees to call off the lawyer and tells Carlos that she really is going to miss him. Mm. I mean, Carlos, let's not make promises you can't keep. I just, I don't get Carlos's reasoning behind this like i don't get his mentality i mean thank god he's there to try and talk some sense into her but i know that he's saying this so that she will let him go because it's what's best for the kid and that's where he's what he's thinking of but i don't think you should be telling Edie these things that you're like these promises you're not going to keep when you don't feel this way about her i just find it really confusing that carlos is doing this like it's the best thing for travers don't get me wrong but i find it i just i find it so weirdly confusing that Carlos would get himself involved. Because he's been a father figure to Travers yeah. this past this past month. Yeah, I just I just find it really weird. I find it odd. But also all of these Edie and Carlo scenes are just filler until we get Brie back anyway. Pretty much. <laughs> yes they are. Because this is the fourth storyline of the episodes. Yeah. And it's just to replace Brie for a bit, really. It is. I mean, I'm glad we've gotten a bit more with Edie and we've gotten some more of Carlos. Like, I'm glad we've not lost Carlos since he's divorced Gabby. I'm glad that he's remained around. But you are very correct in saying that it is just a replacement Brie storyline. Yeah, it is nice to have some focus on the side characters, especially Edie, who is a main housewife. Yeah. Although, even though she's not one of the main four. No, but she is a main housewife. Although I would also have been happy with them just replacing Brie with Andrew. More Andrew would More have been great. More Andrew would have been fantastic. Especially at this time in Andrew's life. Yeah. He's coming into his own. He is so sassy. He is sleeping with 
different men. Yeah. He's loving himself, he's loving life, and he's got no parent or, you know, sibling there to hold him down. And he's loving that beer delivery guy. Oh, but Who yeah. we've never seen, and I bet he's hunky. I want to see the beer delivery guy. Right. <laughs> so, Gabby and Victor at the victory party. I bet that was weird to say. This is Victor's victor party. <laughs> victor at the victory party. <laughs> it's a victory for Victor. <laughs> Uh, they're having their inaugural dance, and whilst this is going on, they're sort of having their own sneaky little conversation, you know, Victor turns to Gabby and is like, I hope you know I love you, and Gabby's like, I think so. <laughs> Which is a really awkward thing to say to your fiancé. It's probably because it's the first time he's ever shouted at her. Yeah. Um, and whilst this is going on, the parking ticket guy is stopped and beaten up. Victor has clearly put a hit on him. Oh, 100%. Because it's not a random beating this one they come up and say are you this person and he's like yes i am and they're like good <laughs> yeah and with the edit it's happening at the same time and it's cutting to and from it's yeah. cutting back and forth between these scenes it's yeah so yeah victor has done this yeah definitely gabby looks amazing in this pink dress she does look really good when she was on screen i was like wow i want to say like it's bad of victor to put a hit out on this guy because it is because it is awful but he's done it to protect gabby and defend her honor Okay. So <laughs> I mean <laughs> so I don't hate him for it, but at the same time I'm like, yeah, this poor dude does not deserve to be mugged and beaten the shit out of, but no. at the same time it's what he deserves. Frankly, Jeff didn't deserve that. He deserved to be fired. Yes. He deserved some comeuppance, but he didn't deserve to be assaulted. No, not really. Well, you reap what you sow. You assault, you get assaulted. <laughs> but let's be honest. I don't know if I don't know if this is on purpose or if this is something I have against this episode, but it could have been a lot worse. Would you be? It wasn't overly violent. He didn't look that bad after it. There was nothing in the face. No, it yeah. Could, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, it was all like body blows is what it was. Like It was a lot of blows to the body. No, There was no death. There was no blood. There was no blood. There was no teeth. There was no black eye. Yeah. No one's head got slammed in a car door. Like Well, it... well yeah, because they have to make sure that there's no evidence. Mm. Victor can't kill him. He's new mayor. This is like his first day as mayor. He can't put a death hit out on someone on his first day. So as bad as it was of Victor to do this, it, it could have looked a lot worse <laughs> it could have looked a lot worse yeah i mean maybe they should have made it look a lot more anyway yeah. it makes you wonder though how far victor would go because it's like a proper villain moment for victor like, oh yeah like they're really setting something up here mm-hmm. yeah but- i don't think this is gonna go un unnoticed there's a lot of things that go unnoticed with desert housewives they make a lot of character choices that we never see yeah again this is one of those. again and i don't think this is going to be one of those no, this is a bit too big to yeah. have him as, well, having a villain moment, you know? Well, essentially, what they've done is they've put Gabby with the pow- most powerful man in Fairview. Mm. So, how's that going to work now? What's going to happen? But we could have some very nice political power play between them as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe Gabby could go up against him in the next election. That'd be great. She could learn everything she needs to learn about, you know, politics from Victor, and then be like, ah, bitch, it's time for a woman. That'd be a great Disney film. <laughs> So we move swiftly into the ending of the episode where Mary Alice once again narrates about how easy it is to become a victim, but whether the damage is inflicted by an ex-wife, and we see Travers and Charles leave the lane. Bye, Travers. That's the last time we see him. Yeah, it was nice to have you around. It was, it was. You brought a nice storyline, a different side to Edie and and Carlos. Yeah, yeah. A side that we knew was there, but we haven't got to see yet. So see ya. Or the object of our affection. And we see Rick leave the restaurant. 
the time comes when we must pick ourselves up and continue. And we see Lynette getting back into bed with Tom. Oh, Byrick. However, if we can't do that, then all we can do is pray for rescue. And we see Mike finding Susan in the woods and picking her up to kiss her. Oh, Byrick. Yeah, Rick's gone as well. Rick was nice to have around. He was fun. He could cook. But also, he was just... He was nice to Lynette. Yeah, and he was easy on the eyes. He was easy on the he eyes. He was easy on but the eyes. He was he was fun to see on screen. Looks aside, he made her glow. He did make her... Maybe she's pregnant. <laughs> I don't mean that. <laughs> but no, he did make her glow. He brought out a fun side of Lynette. It, he made her happy and... Yeah. We need... Tom, bring it back. Mm. learn from this they i think they will but it will take some time yeah i think so it will take some time but yeah we finally got that romantic kiss that all the fans were waiting for with um susan and mike, mike and, but this time without anyone being in a relationship already yeah i loved it when she's like i twisted my ankle and he's like good <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> but then he does go so i can do this yeah. and lifts her up see if i was mike i would have just been like good and walk past her right but he lifts her up and it's the most romantic scene ever unless orson is driving home from the airport in which case (laughs) he's probably about to die oh jesus god i mean it we've still got two episodes left of the season yeah that does that felt like an ending and it feels like yeah we've we've tied up some of the storylines that would have been a great place to end it like we've obviously tied up lynette's storyline with rick but there's clearly still some damage that needs to be done with Lynette and Tom, but like they can't be, end it. That but, could be a whole other season. Yeah, it could. That could. They could have ended the season here, and they can. You can clearly end the season with Susan, Susan and Mike here. Exactly. You know, they've had their arc. Edie and Carlos can end right here if they want to. There's a lot of things that have been resolved or set up. Yeah, and it would be a perfect ending to a season. So now that that is over, let's move on to Joel's segment for the gayest and straightest moment. What would you like to start with this week? We always do gayest moment first. Excellent. So, what do you have for gayest moment? So, my award for gayest moment... It goes to Susan for asking Tony of her, her opinion on the Mike and Ian situation, and they're not liking what she has to say, and moaning at Susan, uh, her opinion of the Mike and Ian situation. <laughs> Clearly, you weren't listening. <laughs> Yeah, that was... Uh... <laughs> uh, I feel like that's a very gay thing. I do that all the time. Gay I ask people's opinion, and then I hate what they have to say. <laughs> do you like this coat? It's a bit cheap looking. You're a bit cheap looking. You're a... <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. And what do you have for the straightest moment? The straightest moment goes to... Uh, my straightest moment goes to Carlos for saying bros before hoes. <laughs> yep. People say it, I don't. Yep, people, I people say it, I don't say yeah. that. So, um, yeah, Carlos saying bros before hoes is big straight energy. I don't know a single gay person that's like, eh, bros before hoes. Oh, come on, Susan, bros before hoes. You got my balls in a grip here. Chicks before dicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or dicks before chicks, even. Sisters before misters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, misters before sisters. Ovaries before broveries. <laughs> <laughs> broveries before ovaries. You're doing it the opposite way around. Because that's how they do it in parks and recreation. <laughs> and also, we're gay. We don't do that. <laughs> so, bravo to Susan and Carlos for getting the gayest and straightest moments. Good job. Of the episode. Good job, little buddies. So now we move on. Now we move on to B segment for best and worst parents. So, B, who do you have for your best parent of the episode? My award for 
Best parent of the episode. Goes to Edie for giving Travers a puppy. Cool. Who do you have for your worst parent of the episode? And if this isn't Edie for giving Travers a puppy, I'm what? I'm walking out. Don't you? <laughs> I mean, do you, do you think that Edie deserves that? No. Well, you, clearly you are listening. <laughs> I think that that Edie could very well be deserving of the best parent award, but it's certainly not for the sodding puppy. That Ed- deserves worst. <laughs> Edie has only been getting all of these best parent awards because Brie is gone and Susan isn't doing anything with Julie. That's true. You know, I know I'm aware that there is very little that you can do. But it's um, weird to think that to best and worst parent. when we look back on this season, Edie has gotten so many best parent awards and I'll be like, why did I do that? And then yeah. I'll, I'll completely forget. Oh, because... There wasn't anyone else doing anything. There was no more parenting in this. <laughs> but so... I, I, yeah, I would not. I would not have given best parent for the puppy. No one else has but... gotten this many best parent awards in succession. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? They're all going to Edie, and this is coming from the same person that's like, oh, I can't give that award to that person. I gave it to them last week, and now all of a sudden he's like, Edie, 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 Edie. Well, my balls are in a vice with this show right now. <laughs> I don't have a choice. They've gotten rid of one of the parents. Yeah, true. They've gotten rid of A as well. Yeah, and they've gotten rid of one of the kids. And my award for... Worst parent of the episode... Goes to Susan for stealing Julie's little pink bag to go hiking. Okay, we really are grasping at straws, guys. We really are. We really have to grasp at straws. B has a tough role. He's got a tough job with these parent awards. Well, when we watched the season, I was like, well, they're housewives and, you know, they're mums. So this is, I'll make a segment about parenting. Mm. It'll be easy. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be easy, they said. (laughs) Yeah, um, for stealing Drew's little pink bag. Who Who do you think you are? Right. So anyway, that was the end of season three, episode 21, Into the Woods. If people would like to find us on social media, where they can contact us with any comments, queries, questions and theories, where can they do that? You can find us on Instagram at Boyfriends Review, and you can find us on Twitter at BFS Review. You can also email us. Our email is boyfriendsreview at outlook.com, and our artwork is done by Louis, who you can find on Instagram at docredmonkdesign. And he also does do commissions. There's a there's a link to his Etsy page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you next week with season three, episode 22. What would we do without you? Right. We'll see you then, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.